One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding a website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen .ca as the trusted online home for their business. Visit cira.ca forward slash startup today. Storytelling, the journey of real change makers and discovering their impact on the world we live in. And now, broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, a grassroots entrepreneur-led movement to bring together, celebrate, and give a voice to Canada's entrepreneurship community. On the podcast, we speak to the movers and the shakers of Canada's entrepreneurship community and explore themes in entrepreneurship, startups, investment, innovation, and my favorite, impact. The podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in starting and growing a financially fit and fundable business. You got to check out startupcan.ca backslash finance to sign up for a startup finance bootcamp near you, and you're going to get 50% off QuickBooks online for your business. This month, we are featuring some of, some of Canada's leading high growth entrepreneurs. And as part of our Startup Entrepreneurs, series. Today, we are speaking to my great friend, Marissa McTesney. Founded in 2006, Moxie Trades is home to the original pink workbook. After Marissa was fed up with constantly having to wear men's work clothes for her work in the trade, she created Moxie Trades, a handy woman's apparel line that started with, of course, the work boots. She then partnered with investor Brett Wilson on the popular show Dragon's Den. Since the deal was made, Marissa has taken her business and expanded across North America into large retail stores, including the likes of Sears. Her apparel has also expanded from just feminine-colored work boots to work belts, safety goggles, work pants, and shirts. And during this interview, we will be diving into Moxie Trades, raising finance, getting your products into major retailers, and advancing entrepreneurship amongst women from one of Canada's most dynamic entrepreneurs who calls herself the chief boot wearer of Moxie Trades. Marissa, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Rivers. I really appreciate it. I have a quotation for you, okay? You ready for this? Shoot. Okay. Throughout the journey, I have wanted to quit. I have cried, heart pounding out of my neck. My stomach has ached. I have persevered because I wanted to jump in with no regrets. I have never been scared to fail. I did want to learn how to succeed in life, not business. I have lost and gained relationships. In the process, I have figured out who I am wholeheartedly. That's, of course, you. Yes. It's such a cool, cool journey of who you are. And uh, can you give us a reflection on that that quote? I know less today than I did 20 years ago. Hmm. You know, and part of that is um, the challenges of life. And when I started the business, my kids were little. Uh, Carter was three. Frankie was one. And I I was sleep deprived because I was a new mom. But Mm -hmm. also this venture seemed exciting and there was opportunity, but I really didn't have the skills. Right. Um, And the knowledge and the experience. I didn't have a mentor. Um, 
but I had this great opportunity. But as a result, when a challenge would happen in my life, I really thought it was the end. I thought, okay, the, this, this business is over. I can't do it. I've <laughs> got to go back to work. Um, and so learning that there's always solutions and I can choose the outcome and defining my own definition of success has been really key um, to to me being able to find peace and happiness mm. um, at this point in my life. And do you find yourself constantly having to remind yourself of that as you're going through your journey? Totally. Mm. Yep. You know, you're, you meet so many people um, and there's so many outside influences on how we should do things and what we should do and how we should say it. Mm-hmm. And so being able to find your own voice and, and explain your opinions um, kindly and communicate effectively, that, that takes time to learn, to mm. figure that out. You know, we still make mistakes, of course. Mm. It would be boring otherwise. Mm. Um, but just making peace with some of the decisions I have made um, has been such a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Well, And when you were growing up, was, uh, you know, was the word entrepreneur even talked about? Uh, at no, all? No, absolutely so, not. So you didn't, you know, you like, like me, you know, my dad, he was an entrepreneur, but he went to work. He went to his job. It was never him about building anything. It was about just this job. So that discovery itself is, uh, is, is, it takes a while because you don't even know what you're discovering. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very cool. So tell us about the start of Moxie Trades. I've heard this story and I love hearing it all over again. And you know, what it's taken to take your idea and bring it to really some cool top retail stores in Canada. And you know, how did you fund and are the products manufactured in Canada? Tell us some of those, uh, those, the start, but also some of those extra things in there we talked about. Okay, sure. The start of it is I was on maternity leave with um, Carter and I read about an article about a course for women in construction. It was sponsored by the Ontario Women's uh, Directorate. And the idea behind some of these programs is, you know, we're bringing skilled trades workers in from all across the world and we have jobs that are available to Canadians. So there's all of these programs popping up and, you know, women like to learn in a safe environment. I certainly did. Uh I read about this program and I cried. I was so excited about it. Um, So I thought, I know I'm going to have more kids. I probably can't be climbing up ladders and, you know, roofing houses while I'm pregnant. So I thought I'll hang on to this and pursue it when I'm ready. Uh At the same time, I wrote a book for my kids on the philosophies of life that I wanted to impart on them. You wrote the book. I wrote the book. Yeah, I I did all the, uh, I wrote the book and then I did all the artwork when I had my daughter. So I wrote it when I had Carter, but then I finished it and self-published it when I had my daughter. Right. And it was just, it's a hallmark book for my kids. It's a gift to them. And basically the mantra that I now live by is dream big, think the impossible, love passionately and give generously. And I meant it. I do mean it. I live by it today. But I realized when I put those words on paper that this IBM job that I was traveling, you know, three hours a day to do, I just wasn't passionate about. It was great pay, good job, but it wasn't the legacy that I wanted to um, just show my kids that you can live. Mm-hmm. So I you know, after I had Frankie, um, I started to look for that program again and I took the course for women in skilled trades and it just felt like home. I had so much fun. Um, and I can build stuff now. 
Um, I know what I'm doing. I still have to hire contractors for all the important stuff, but it gave me a really good um, basics of the industry. And my intention was to actually build a renovation company with women as our skilled trades workers. So Mm -hmm. I would have female electricians, plumbers, and whatnot. So here's the the, the day that changed Moxie Trades and the vision for the company. Our first day of the program, we all bought men's work boots. Mm-hmm. And being silly, I said, look, I'm a girly girl. I want pink work boots. Do you have any <laughs> pink work boots? And the manager, Cindy, and she still works there today. She said to me, Marissa, I get asked all the time. So with that, I started to look at industry Canada statistics and who's working in the industries where safety is required at some point during their day, month or year in their position and realized there was a gap in the market. And so away you went. And this, isn't that so interesting? When And I'm, I know you talk to tons of entrepreneurs that it's just the spark that you, it's the aha moment that really sends people into this, this amazing journey that they might have never thought about before, but also resonates with their psyche. And, uh, and I think that's such a, a great uh, um, reassurance to people that, hey, you don't have to go into 12 years of major research. Sometimes it's just that aha moment that's going to trigger those things. So uh, I, I just love that, uh, love that story. So, so what about funding? I mean, you know, away you went and, um, and, uh, did you have a dollar in your pocket or did you, did you get money from somewhere else? Because we're going to talk about the Brett Wilson deal here in a sec, yep. but you didn't have, you didn't know Brett the next day. You could, you didn't nope. call him up, did you? No, I didn't. You know what? I'm not sure how I figured out in some reflection. However, there were just natural steps, I guess, that I decided to take, mm-hmm. um, unconsciously. So I, I wanted this pink work boot. I was searching. I used Alibaba.com. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's many people in manufacturing that uh, you find your suppliers through Alibaba.com and you can start to work with them on prototypes and manufacturing. And that's how I found my supplier of my pink work boot. And I said to them, I'm going to sell these pink work boots to Home Depot. So that's why you and I are going to spend the time to get these boots right. Now, I don't know why I said Home Depot. I just love Home Depot. Yeah. It's, you know, it's open 24 hours. I'm constantly doing stuff. There's experts there. So, <laughs> but you know, the universe hears you sometimes when you're talking. Or you listen to the universe. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. One of the two. Yeah. So I had ordered, you know, 30 pairs of these work boots in various colors um, because the women gave me some feedback saying, I want blue, I want green, I want tan. So we did that. And I actually attended a Women of Influence luncheon where Annette Verschuren was speaking, who was the president of Home Depot Canada. Mm-hmm. And I asked her if she would just keep an eye on me, mentor me, and possibly give me some guidance as I figure out what to do with this product line. I got the boots to her. They fit her. She said they were the most comfortable boots she ever had. And within a week, I was presenting to the executive buying team at Home Depot. Wow. So, you know, that is when I had to learn about wire transfers and um, TT transfers, first cost. And to tell you how new it was to my community, I live in a small town in Ontario. The bank didn't even know what a TT transfer was. We didn't know how to get money to China. (laughs) And so it was a learning process. But 
I was always curious. I was always asking questions and I was constantly asking for help. Right on. Um, I did bump into somebody that was, um, used to make work boots and sell them to Walmart. Right. So they explained all the terms to me. I went to the bank and they called the head office and we figured it out together. And we figured it out together while I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old running around mm. the bank. Mm. Um, it's funny now, my son just applied for a bank account and he's bigger than me now, but <laughs> it shows the journey of some of these relationships Yes. Um, and where you start and where you are today and how important they are in your life. Yes. Yes. Um, but that was how it started. The yeah. one um, major advice, piece of advice I would give to anybody in manufacturing is to go get the business first. I have met a lot of entrepreneurs and they go buy that container of knickknacks and then they're trying to sell it. Mm -hmm. So the stress on the individual financially is enormous. Mm. And you need to validate the opportunity for yourself more than anybody else. You need to know if it's worth your time to invest in this business idea. Right and on. that is the one thing that I've always done. So I didn't get funding for anything until Home Depot said, we're going to give you an order for $40,000. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so did you get on the phone to China and say, send me 40,000 or would you do have it at home already? Or I mean, no, nope, that's when I ordered it. I right. pre-sold it. Right so on. I think I got the order in October, November, and we delivered March 27th. Wow. That day was significant because that was the same day. One year earlier, I walked into that store saying, you know, do you have any pink work boots? Mm. So it was a significant day for me that we launched. Um, our product line at Home Depot. So that gave me about five months and I didn't have a fax number. I didn't have a website and Home Depot <laughs> kept saying to me, Marissa, this is what you need. Yeah. Can you do it? And I just said yes to everything and figured it out. Right on. Good for you. Yeah. Well, look, the Brett, uh, the Brett Wilson story is, uh, is one that's pretty special. And Brett was one of the, one of the favorite dragons, I think on the, on the den. And can you give us a, a short version of, of one, why did you decide to go on the, uh, the den and, and why did, why did Brett decide to invest in you? Um, for sure. Well, at the time, so I had been in business for a couple of years and I had been selling to Home Depot, Zellers, Walmart, and I had just visited Mark's Work Warehouse who said they would buy from me as soon as I had product that they could deliver to their customers. And so the way I survived getting through those retailers is I had started with a loan from the BDC and that was based on my purchase order from Home Depot. And then when I got Zellers, we had to do purchase order financing, uh, which would allow me to bring the inventory into Canada and also factoring. So that was the way I was budgeting and financing the cost of my inventory, which at the time was my biggest expense, still mm -hmm. is today. Mm -hmm. um, so I had business and I had opportunity. The company that was doing my purchase order factoring was run by five gentlemen and they saw me working my buns off and they said, would you like some help? So they financed me. They came on board with me um, for 51% of my company. So mm -hmm. I ended up with 49%. Right. But it gave me a salary and the means to support my life because I was doing everything as a full-time mom as well. Right on. And have little tricks on how to survive that. Um, but they they gave me a salary that allowed me just to set my life up to be able to handle building this business. Mm-hmm. 
So when Drakenstein, they actually approached me, they read an article on Mother's Day and they said, would you like to be on the show? I said, absolutely not. Um, because I had product in stores and I thought, oh my goodness, this could just ruin the whole business and things are going pretty good. Um, but they convinced me to, and I said, look, I'll come on the show, but I want to invite my customers on the show with me. And if you do that, then I'll bring them because at the end of the day, if we can make the difference and show young girls and young women that they also can get in the skilled trades and we can make a statement politically, um, for the better of Canadian women, then I'm in. And they agreed, Mm. uh, within 24 hours, we had 80 women, uh, ready to go on Monday for taping. So then it was no going back. Um, our presentation was about two and a half hours. We stood there and it was like a real finance pitch, real, you know, bank pitch, pitching to investors. It was exactly the same. And at the end of it, I turned the deal down because they wanted 75% equity. Mm-hmm. But in thanking the dragons for their time, this is the part you don't see on TV. We were hugging them and thanking them. And they were so gracious to all the women who supported mm-hmm. me that day. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett gave me a hug and he said, call me, I'll help you. Nice. And so that's the call you make. Yeah. Very cool. You know, that's interesting to talk about the dragons. I, um, I had the, I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity to, to chat with three of them for a longer time than simply a handshake. And they are genuine people and they really do want to help. You know, there's little theatrics there that go with the show, but they are really awesome people with, with, with awesome hearts. So, so that's fantastic that you had, and you brought your customers on board. What, what great validation. Cause I know one of the, one of the questions they always ask is, well, have you got any sales? And you say, yeah, I got 80 them right here. Yeah, so, exactly. That's so cool. Yeah. So, so let's talk about you being a mom, um, because I, I think this, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a quite a movement of the mompreneur and, and that's not, you know, that's not yet the Avon lady I'm talking about. I'm talking about women that are making substantial impact on the entrepreneurial movement and, uh, and doing great, great work at doing that. But let's talk about the secrets of balancing, because there's, if there's one thing that moms, I think, deal with a lot. I know my wife does is the guilt factor about that factor with, so someone's getting into business, a mom, two kids, uh, different names than yours. What are the top three secrets you would suggest that they, that they follow to, to deal with that, that darn G word, uh, the guilt word and, but also still pursue what's important to them, which is their, which is their business. Yeah. I've created rules in my life. So a couple of the rules, for instance, I will only travel one week per month. Okay. Um, That has been a lifesaver. The other thing is I don't book meetings on Fridays. Mm -hmm. So I save Fridays for any appointments um, or just personal time that I need as well. Mm -hmm. And I attend every volunteer day at the school. Mm -hmm. So we have dinner as a family every single night. And I won't do more than two nights within one week, not having dinner with my kids. Nice. Nice. Um, so I have had to establish those rules because I made so many mistakes and I would say the first four years of the business. And quite honestly, I jeopardized, uh, the relationship I have with my husband Mm -hmm. 
And I found it so stressful. I would leave before the kids woke up. So they didn't say, mom, don't leave. And Mm -hmm. I would come home um, after they went to sleep many nights. I would come home for dinner, then jet back to the office and work till one or two o'clock in the morning. And then I was back up again at four or five uh, with my heart pounding. Mm. And it just wasn't a healthy environment. And it was survival. Mm. Um, Mm. and so it's taken me quite a while to figure out my own formula. And that would be my second piece of advice is find your formula, Mm. keep working at it until you find the formula that works for you. We have tried home daycares. We have tried a a live in nanny. My mom helped us out tremendously. Um, so I would keep working on a solution until you feel like it fits your lifestyle and your values of how you want to run your family. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I love that that sense of rules. One of the ones that I have for myself is I make an appointment with my health three times a week um, because I've suffered from depression, never, ever want to go back there. And so you have to make the investment in your health, your family, your business, and uh, it can be done, but it's a, it's a matter of just setting those parameters. So I appreciate you sharing those with us. So let's uh, let's talk a bit about Let's talk a bit about uh, the obstacles you would have faced in in building Moxie Trades in those first three to five years that uh, that that you would f- feel. I, I'd like to share these three uh, lessons that I learned from those obstacles. And let's let's make it two obstacles rather than because there's a lot of other questions I want to ask today. Okay, perfect. Um- you know, we had two major obstacles, one of them that I live with every single day, and that would be inventory management. Mm. Um, so with our, in manufacturing with my company, it takes us about six months to produce the goods from the day I say I need 1200 pairs of, you know, this work boot to the time I can deliver it to my customer. And when you're getting started, you have no data. <laughs> you, <laughs> so it's a big guessing game. And in the early stages, we would book our business. So we would design 10 styles of shoes and maybe only bring to life six, use the feedback that we received from our customers, and then, you know, guess on the order with some education behind it. But if you had a great shoe, it sold out. Right. If you had one that wasn't so great, you're sitting on it. And so really the inventory management was and still continues to be um, my biggest hurdle. Today, though, I'm able to forecast it pretty well um, because I have data now. Right. So I collect all my data. I manage it. Um, I love reading about it because it, it enables me to forecast and then build in the future what I need to do. I also used to want to go after every single customer under the sun. Right, right. But then you go from zero to 100 and you let 100 people down. Yeah, right on. And did you, do you analyze that data yourself or do you have a, a team of people that help you do that analysis? I primarily do it myself um, and I sit down. So now I have a distributor. About four years ago, we moved my business over to a different model. Um, The company that used to ship my goods is now my distributor and they're in the footwear business. Mm -hmm. So I meet with them once a month and we sit down and figure it out. But like I said, now that we have some data, it's not as difficult as it used to be. Um, so I'll do the high level. And then when it comes to shoe size runs or, you know, gambling on a new style, we might sit around a table and toss it around right. the idea and then move forward. But it's, uh, it is a lot easier today. Cool. Okay. On to the next obstacle. Yeah. 
The legalities. So when I started the business, it was actually called Tomboy Trades. You know, and my logo is very sexy. It's two Charlie's Angel like girls, bum to bum. One's got a hammer and one's got a saw. And the reason I called it Tomboy Trades is when I was trying to figure out my trades business, I was going door to door um, and painting houses. And people were shocked that a woman was coming to the door. Even women were shocked. It wasn't men that were shocked. It was women that were shocked. And they would say, well, how are you going to paint this? How are you going to paint that? (laughs) So, and that's when there was no logo. It was just called interior house painting. So I realized it's better for the customer and for me, if everybody knows who's showing up at the door. So I wanted them, you know, that's why I called it tomboy trades. We were girls in the trades and our logo was cute. Um, I didn't want there to be any surprises at the door. So when I got the business from Home Depot, they said, well, you need a logo, you need a company name. And I just went, okay, let's use Tomboy Trades. I've established that for my renovation business. It's cute. Let's use it. Mm. But the one thing that I missed is there's a common law law on the trademark. Um, And there's Tomboy Tools out there and they sold tools through network marketing. And there was some confusion in the marketplace. Had I just been doing renovations locally, not a big deal. Mm. But the minute you're launching a national product line with Home Depot, it became an issue. And I had registered my logo first. Um, And so when I checked the database, they weren't in there, but they registered 10 days after I did. Um, But there's a common law law. So in the end, it went back and forth for about a year and I had to rebrand. Coming up with the rebrand was hard for me because I'd fallen in love with Tomboy Trades and it really meant something to me. Right on. Um, but that whole uh, scenario cost me a couple hundred thousand dollars in legal fees. So here's the lesson I learned there. Brett was on board um, at this point. He knew this was happening prior to signing the deal with me, and he decided to continue on with me. And he said, Marissa, just call them. Just call Tomboy Tools and come to a resolution. And so half an hour later, the issue was over. Nice. But nice. my previous partners, we were calling, you know, the top lawyers in the country. Right on. And you know, $200,000. And can you imagine how scared I was? I received Mm. uh, a legal letter out of the U S saying that they were going to sue me personally. Nice. So it was scary and all resolved with a phone call. So Mm. Mm. I think startup Canada is so awesome for entrepreneurs because there is that resource there of people that can help you build the foundation to a successful business. Because if you can have a, a solid foundation after that, it's about sales and growth. Right, right, right. And I didn't have that when I started. Yeah, and it's no doubt about it. The uh, the ability to tap into expertise and your, there's thread it throughout your your answers to your questions is uh, I ask questions, I got help. These five guys did this. You know, I did this with my customers. Feedback from my customers. Feedback from my suppliers. You know, you you uh, you really have a team of people that you reach out to on a regular basis, which I'm sure is part of your rule also in addition to your rules with your family but also you've got your uh, your team of people that you can reach out when you want to and and I think that's a that's a key lesson for entrepreneurs in the startup game anyway to understand is you don't have to do it alone and you shouldn't do it alone um, and there's tons of people out there that want to help you so it, it's do. yeah very very cool that you you reinforce that so um, 
Now, here's an interesting story about you that many people might not know about. I, I knew about this because I got all this information on you. Um, you're a great believer in good social responsibility, and you've partnered with uh, Habitat for Humanity for various projects, including you sent a truckload of apparel to Haiti following the earthquake. Um, why is uh, why is this a priority for you, and uh, why do you think it's important for, I guess, any startup, any business to be socially responsible? I've asked another guest about, do you think it should be something that people automatically do or should they kind of fall into it when they're when they're ready so kind of first of all how do you get a truckload of apparel from ontario to haiti oh my goodness because somebody was flying personally their own plane from buttonville airport and i don't even know <laughs> how i got wind of it but they said do you have anything so of course, you know, my whole neighborhood rallied together and delivered a ton, like a full plane load of stuff yeah. for everybody in Haiti. And it was just because somebody was going to fly there and see if they could help in their own personal plane. Yeah, isn't that cool? I mean, that doesn't happen, right? No, but no. that's just, you know, those are I, those are my God moments where you think it just, it's the pixie dust. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you know, it's funny you say it doesn't happen, uh, and, and and it doesn't happen because you can't plan for it, of course, and that's why yeah. you think it doesn't doesn't happen. And uh, I got to meet Gene, Gene Simmons just because I knew a guy who knew a guy, and he ended up uh, creating some great value for my business. So you just always keep that stuff open. So back to the social responsibility yes. thing. What's uh, what's your kind of take on that for companies uh, who are in that startup mode and how they should embrace it initially? Maybe not embrace it initially, maybe not embrace it at all. What's your what's yeah. your thoughts on that? I think it should be part of the marketing strategy from day one, but only if you can budget it. Um, right. I made some major mistakes in the beginning of my business and Habitat for Humanity, the women that actually build on the women's builds, mm -hmm. kept reaching out to me. So I kept thinking, God, you know, this isn't a charity that I found. It found me. Mm. And um, I tried to support it nationally right away, and that was just too much for me to handle. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was compromising the business. Mm -hmm. So over time, I had to learn, you know, where is it that I want to donate my time, and how do I want to spend my money? Now, it's not that I have extra money to spend; I certainly don't. But I've learned to create a partnership program where it's a win-win. Mm. So even when it comes down to sponsoring an event in my mm -hmm. neighborhood. Hood, I try to find out, okay, how many people are going to be there? What is the, the, the content that's going to be delivered at the event? And I have picked the one or two things that are really important to me and everything else outside of that, I don't participate in. You and I had that conversation uh, once because I'm doing so much to raise awareness for uh, women in entrepreneurship in Canada. Mm -hmm. And you had said to me, what about the men? And I said, I know, I, you know, they need help too, but that's just not my fight. Right, right. Um, and when you're passionate about something, it drives the storytelling. And that's what people are so riveted towards is those stories that you share that don't belong to you. They're right other people's stories. Um, and if, you know, we've got to spend marketing dollars the best marketing you can do is socially responsible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the, the other thing that ties into, uh, to this, the story, the reference point you made is that, is that word, when you mentioned the word passion and uh, I have a great friend of mine, he's a motivational speaker and he talks about, you need to be selfish with the things that you do. So you fill yourself up first, so then you can give to others. And if you're not passionate about a cause that you're following, 
or giving to, then you're not really filling yourself up. So then therefore you can't give the optimum to this organization. So, so absolutely it's important to you to continue that cause for women because it fills your heart as well as your head. And, and yeah, the money, money always comes later, but, uh, but when people see that you're genuine and, uh, I think that's a, that's a good reinforcement of why you do what you do because you're genuinely passionate and interested in it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, and one of the things we did talk about um, uh, when we met on Stand- Startup Canada Day on the Hill, and I don't know if you remember, we sat with Frank O'Day and uh, gave him some yep. advice. And uh, you were telling about sitting on the expert panel on champion and mentorship for women entrepreneurs for the status of women in Canada. And I remember we, we were talking about a trip you were going to take and there was, uh, well, maybe well, that was the Haiti issue, but there was a big typhoon or something happened and you were going right. to change your in plans. The Philippines, yeah. And so, so tell us about your experience <laughs> with that group and what have you learned and what, what do you feel needs to be done to really advance entrepreneurship amongst women in, uh, in Canada? Um, you know what, there is so much available to women in Canada. Um, I was inspired on a daily basis. So our goal was to find the tools that women require to be successful in entrepreneurship. Minister Leach sponsored this um, panel through the Status of Women Canada, and we held roundtables from coast to coast. Um, Carolyn Cross, Arlene Dickinson, Ron Close, Sandra Basella were part of that panel. And we just talked to women and it was open. It could have been a risk management calculator. It could have been funding. It could have been daycare. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we learned was, number one, there are many resources in Canada to help entrepreneurs. The other thing we learned, I think as it pertains particularly to women, is we like to learn in a safe environment. So the information isn't necessarily different on a man, how he's going to do his business and how a woman's going to do his business. Uh But women like to learn in a safe environment. And the good news is we're starting to see that happening in schools. So I think, you know, in the next 10 years, there might not be this, this gender difference, but right now there is, especially as a lot of women are now running the households mm-hmm. alone. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at new ways to be financially successful and independent. Mm-hmm. And so I think for many people, it's um, a new world that we're learning about this entrepreneurship in Canada. So how are you going to continue to give back in that, in that field? Um, from Moxie Trades, you know, we're always supporting women in um, their moxiness. Moxie is the ability to face fear with spirit and courage. So little things that we do is every month we honor a woman um, who is either in the skilled trades or just told us a story about why she has moxie and we honor her socially uh, mm. through all our online media. Mm-hmm. We also have our awards. We do Durham's woman of the year, which is my local uh, hometown through the Whitby chamber of commerce. Uh, we just did Moxie's first responder. We have Moxie's trades one coming up, Moxie's work woman. Um, and the greatest gift is that we get to hear all these stories about how amazing women are um, in this country. Um, and now, now what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap between the women and the next generation coming up so that it's natural for them to be leaders and it's natural for them to be sitting around a boardroom or natural to be swinging a hammer. Um, I would love to see that gender conversation um, not be so divided. 
So that's my goal over the next 10 years is just communicating the possibilities. Yeah, that's a, it's a great thing to be focused on. We, I always talk about startups, uh, about getting startups being accepted culturally in Canada. And that's really what my passion is, that story of getting people to understand what it is we're trying to accomplish. And then once they understand it, then they can get behind it, but it's just an understanding piece in the beginning. So, uh, so, so bang on with that. So um, let me ask you this question. Give me a typical day of Marissa. Oh my goodness. No day is typical. <laughs> There's no day that's typical, but I have had the best two weeks because we're actually doing our 2016 catalog. Yes. And we're also going to be creating a calendar for next year. So we have had photo shoots and I've been doing photo shoots. Um, I love this because I posted it on Facebook saying, is anybody available on Wednesday for a photo shoot? I have an idea. Well, I had to turn people down. There was people from all across Canada that said they would come. And that was not what I expected. To your place, to your back. To my place, to my house. And then, you know, we just, I found a location near my home. Yes. And we got their hair and makeup done. But everybody was thanking me. And I just think, this is so awesome. I'm the one getting the gift. And I'm the one receiving the gratitude at the same time. It is amazing. Um, then I had, uh, another idea and I wanted to bring young girls to a photo shoot. Well, within an hour, I had five cheerleaders over at my house, my photographer, and we repeated the same photos that we did with the women a week earlier. And it was just, it was so fun. The pictures are absolutely beautiful. They're going to be showing up shortly. Um, but I'm excited about it. And the calendar that we're going to do, we're going to feature a charity every single month Yes. Um, with women. So for instance, Jamie McMillan's going to be in our calendar. She's an iron worker right. and she's working on a program for gender equality in the workplace. But I'm going to feature her in the calendar with the girl that she's mentoring. Right on. So, and every month we're going to give money to charity for that featured uh, month. And uh, so I'm excited about that. That's fun stuff. It is. It sounds like fun stuff. Okay. But out of that comes a couple of things. One is, um, uh, I know, you know, my wife would say, Okay, I get that you got rules, but it sounds like you're doing everything in your business from all of the photo shoots, from the meeting with your suppliers, your inventory guys, uh, you know, getting feedback from customers, uh, all that. It sounds like you're doing everything. So, you know. How can how can this all be true, and yet you still have time for two dinners a week? Uh, sorry, dinners with your family. I think it was two times a week you talked about. And uh, I go wait. I only I only miss two dinners a week at the most. Okay, you miss two. Yeah. So yeah. and like, how is is this real? And you know, I think I think we need to talk about the realism that okay, this balancing does work, and maybe there's something else underlying you're not telling us as to how you're balancing all this work stuff too. She, I get the family, but how about all this yeah. work stuff? Um, what I did a year and a half ago is I read the Four Hour Work Week mm. by Tim Ferriss, and I know you've read that book as well. I have. Um, and it really made me rethink some of my priorities as well as how to create efficiencies in my business. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me about a year and a half to get to this stage where I have the business running as efficiently as I would like. So to give you an example of that, right now my orders come in uh, through WooCommerce. They they fly over through one SaaS and it goes right into my QuickBooks. So that eliminates four to five hours of bookkeeping a month. The order goes right to my warehouse. 
So I oversee all the orders that are coming in, but I actually don't have to do anything. The warehouse just ships the boots out. Very cool. Um, All of our emails are on an exchange server. So there's about 10 emails that come through the company and I can see all of them at any one time, but other people are doing the work. Um, But if something, if they're away or something happens, I can pick up really easily. And it's not like I'm re-engaging from, you know, step one, I can hop in at step five and take over if necessary. Um, Through the distribution agreement though, that I have, I have about 50 people that I need about an hour a day out of. Right. So because of the the structure that I created and instead of hiring 10 people, you know, and expecting everybody to be good at everything, I have experts in the job that they do, like Mm, a traffic mm. manager that brings our products in overseas, like our accounts payable, our accounts receivable, our customer service. So I have very proficient experts in the area that they're they're managing. Yeah, very cool. Well, it's uh, you're creating a championship team and you're moving the pieces of the puzzle in that championship team around based on what your needs are so you can maintain that four-hour workweek system approach. Brilliant. Yep. Just you brilliant. Know, and I, just for the record, I don't do four hours a week. I do a lot more than that because <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. Right. I love working. If I wasn't doing Moxie trades, I would be doing something else. Yes. Um, but the concepts in the book are really valid. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I am a firm believer. You should work in your business if you want to, not because you have to, yeah. and uh, you're doing it because you want to. And what a great, uh, what a great gift you've really created for yourself and your family. And, uh, and of course all the customers and, and the people that you're connecting with. I hope uh, so. Yeah, no, I, I think you are. I think it's, uh, I think it's special. Uh, I, I remember when, again, I first met you and there was this aura about you that I was like, I, and to be honest with you, I didn't know Moxie trades at all. I wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't on my radar. And then I started to watch how all this magic was happening, following your <laughs> Facebook and hearing about these journeys you were on to the soon Philippines and so on. You're doing magical stuff and you should be really proud of the journey. And I know that your, your family is also. And, and so on that note, I want to close with this one question and I, and, uh, and I, uh, and I want to relate it to your daughter. Cause I see the pictures of her dressing up in her pink outfits and her pink boots yeah. and so on. And, it's, it's cool how you involve all your family in this, but, but this question, because we've got a theme of women in entrepreneurship, uh, really goes to it's your daughter comes to you today and she says, I want to be an entrepreneur. Um, yes. what, and you get to write her a letter, uh, about what you feel she should do to protect her, of course, because you want her to protect her, but you also want her to chase her dream as being an entrepreneur. What are some of the the quick things you would put in that letter to her so she could open it up at any time and say, okay, I'm on the right path because of what mom told me? I would say that the exciting part about life is the journey itself. And you can't have success and happiness without failure. Mm. Mm. So yeah, you have to embrace the failure as well. We all want to be perfect, but we don't improve as people with perfection and lack of struggle. Mm. Um, and so just to try to, you know, I have values in life that, um, I hold dear to my heart. I look at them every day and I actually learn them from Robin Sharma Mm -hmm. and he has eight values of life. Um, and you had mentioned a couple of them earlier in the call. Um, inner life, health, you book your three appointments uh, for yourself to manage your health, Mm -hmm. Um, family, career, financial life, 
um, circle of genius. You know, this is, you are who you have coffee with. Mm-hmm. And that's been what's so exciting about the last year for me with that expert panel is I can't believe the company I have been able to keep in the last mm-hmm. couple of years. Um, it's been so exciting to learn from storytellers, right on. um, with, you know, experiences and journeys. Um, and the last, the last two values are adventure and impact. So adventure, you know, that's like us renewing our vows, Sure. um, on the beach. We just, we like to live for adventure and have fun and not take life too seriously. And then the impact, um, I always say to my kids, it's not what you want to be when you grow up, it's who you want to be. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my only hope for them. Yeah. Well, you're showing them the way for sure. It's, uh, Marissa, I could speak for hours with you and uh, and continue to learn more and uh, continue to be connected with your journey. It's uh, I really want to thank you very much for taking time to talk to us today. Uh, just an incredible pleasure. I've I've been excited about this one since I saw it on the on the <laughs> agenda a long too. time. Ago. Yeah, it's always great to I talk to you. I love speaking with you, and thank I you. love following your journey as well. It's um, great and inspiring and educational. So thank you. You're very welcome. That was Marissa McTassany, ladies and gentlemen, creator of the stylus handy women's apparel line Moxie Trail. And I'm Rivers Corbett, and you are listening to Startup Canada Podcast Show. Startup Canada is your doorway into Canada's entrepreneurship community. Be sure to check out the website startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, where you can join other experts and other entrepreneurs from across Canada in deep diving into a startup topic with guest experts. And if you want to hang out a little bit more with me, you can check out what I'm doing with my life and journeys with my business and uh, working with entrepreneurs. You can find that at www.riverscorbett.ca. Love to help you in any way that I can. Till next time, I'm Rivers Corbett. Have an awesome, successful, and enterprising week.